Hello, and welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Manning, coming to you from the beautiful trails in Ogden, Utah, but connecting you to wherever trail, ultra, and mountain running takes us. We'll bring trail running to life with amazing athletes, discuss the latest topics, epic journeys, and get you stoked for your next trail adventure. We're sharing the moments that make life special, because even a rough day on the trail beats a good day indoors, and nothing beats time spent with good friends and great stories. Catch us here weekly for your dose of dirt, hurt, and good vibes. So now, it's time to top off your water, grab some cheese curds, and join us for this week's podcast, where we take you deep into the heart of our sport. It's go time. Hello, and welcome to episode number 146 of the Trail Manners Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Manning, and today we have Mr. Jim Skaggs with us to talk about his trip over to Nepal on the Annapurna Trail. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. And Trail Manners would really love your support via our Patreon account at patreon.com backslash trail manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Trail Manners podcast. This is our last Tuesday show for 2019. So this is our last guest of the year, and we'll start 2020 new. Um, but first, let's go ahead and do a quick introduction. He's been on the podcast a couple times before. He is no stranger to the microphone, even though he is a strange. We have good friend, just got back from Nepal, um, Jim Skaggs. How are you? I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm doing great. So uh, you just came back. Well, first, congratulations. Jim has been appointed on the Weber Pathways board. Yay, me. So Jim's kind of my boss now. <laughs> In a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, got to be nice. Got to be nice. Yep. Um, so yeah, you just uh, went to Nepal to take part in a trek, if you will, on the Annapurna Circuit Trail, yes. right? Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the, uh, I don't know, where it's at and what it is and everything else. So the Annapurna Conservation Area is a large area in north-central Nepal, and uh, this particular trek, if you do the whole thing, it's about 165 miles, I think, and it was first opened up to foreigners back in 1977, and every year, uh, tens of thousands of people do this trek, and some do the whole distance, some do part of it. Uh, We did about uh, 87 miles of it. Wow over the course of nine days. And um, uh, I have lots of words and I have no words for the experience. It was it was that awesome. And so how long has this been on your, your radar to do? So it's been on my radar for a couple of years. <clears throat> I know a lady down in uh, Las Vegas that did it with a couple of her girlfriends over Thanksgiving a couple years ago, and she was posting pictures and, and wrote a blog about it. And I just was looking at that and it just enthralled me, and I just told myself and my wife, I have to go do that. And uh, <clears throat> the original plan was to do it a year later, but uh, 
Achilles surgery gets in the way and in life in general, and so I planned it for two years out, and um, it finally happened just a couple weeks ago. And you did go over there with um, a, a brother? Yeah, my, my brother and one of my nephews, and uh, it was just the three of us, and then we hired a guide as well to, uh, to go with us. So for my for the listeners out there, Jim's an ultra runner. He's got a like a ton under his belt. Um, but the, the your brother, they're not runners. Right? Well, my my brother does triathlons. Okay. Um, my nephew uh, surfs three days a week in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, so my my brother was in reasonably good shape. My my nephew, he uh, um, he. Did some running, some hiking, uh, just to kind of prep for it. Uh, but they both live at sea level. Okay. And uh, so it was going to be interesting to see what would happen as we got higher and higher into the Himalayas. Now, so this for the listeners, I mean, Jim, like I said, Jim's a runner, but you don't. These are what's great about these adventure, and that's why we definitely wanted them on the show, is because there's so much more out there than races and different things. There's these treks, right? Where, where Jim, your backpack weighed average of what? Uh, I was packing. Probably 32 pounds. Okay. And and my brother and my nephew were packing roughly the same. Um, and, yeah, we, we could have hired a porter to carry our stuff, but that costs money. And uh, why why make some poor guy carry our crap when we can do it just You're as able-bodied. well? able-bodied. <laughs> because he did nine days, 87 miles. That's about nine and a half miles a day. Uh, as an average, yes. Um, if that was the case, so a typical day, um, say, out, how long were you on the trail from day to day average? Well, so our our mileage depended on where we were, and it ranged from uh, anywhere from around let's see here four and a half miles to our longest day was fourteen miles, and we did two days of fourteen miles. Uh, <clears throat> we'd get started about. 8.30 in the morning, and we could knock out eight or nine miles by around noon. We'd stop at a tea house for lunch, you know, take maybe an hour, hour and a half for lunch, and then we would get back on the trail, and we'd usually finish up um, somewhere around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon and uh, and be done for the day. So when you're over there, was this typical trekking season? I mean, is this kind of like, is it a peak? Is it an off-season? Um, so this time of year, uh, in that particular area, it's the tail end of the fall trekking season. So there's two trekking seasons uh, over there in the Annapurna region. And um, one of them is in the spring, generally from March, I think, or February till around May. And then the monsoons hit, and uh, in the lowlands, you're subject to leeches and other indignities associated with monsoons and then the fall trekking season generally starts in about september and runs through about the end of november so you're right at the tail end then because you were there during thanksgiving right yes okay did you have thanksgiving over there no but you were there for thanksgiving yes so no turkeys no no yak like beans, I, I, rice. I did try yak once and then gave the rest of it to the dog that was hanging out. There you did? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. No. It, was, it was like chewing on shoe leather. Oh, wow. My nephew got a yak steak on his birthday. We went over the pass on, on his birthday, and so he celebrated by getting a steak. And 
paid for it for two days. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Just didn't sit good. Did not sit well. It sat there for two days. (laughs) That's horrible. I, on the other hand, other than that one taste, was a vegetarian the entire time. So, I mean, that's a good point. So, when you're trekking that, you, you talked about you stop at a tea house, you stop overnight. So, you don't really need to take... Like bedding, do you? I mean, you kind of, or did you take a sleeping I, bag? <clears throat> I did take a sleeping bag, and I took a fleece liner because I knew it was going to be cold, especially as we got higher elevations. However, what I found is I didn't use the sleeping bag at all. Really? Um, I did use the fleece liner. The uh, rooms you stay in at a tea house are not heated. Uh, they don't they don't believe in heat over there for some reason. I love it. Or insulation, for that matter. Wow. And so, uh, you know, if the temperature gets cold outside, it's just not a whole lot warmer inside. Gotcha. And your bed is usually a four-inch mattress on a wooden bed. And it's um, so what I would do is typically just lay out a blanket, a provided blanket. Then I would lay down my fleece liner, and then I would throw a blanket on top of it, and I was toasty warm no matter where we were. Okay. So you didn't really need the sleeping no, bag? No, I didn't. If I was to go do it again, I wouldn't even take a sleeping bag. I'd, I'd take my liner, and that's it. Okay. So with the, I mean, you're a very organized person. So how did your trip go according to your plan? Like whether it was trekking so long a day, whether it was time, what, I mean, did it kind of go to schedule? It did. It did. Um when we decided to hire a guide, uh, my friend Allie Nagel down at Salt Lake, she had done the same trek, I think, three years ago. And she highly recommended a guide, and she highly recommended their guide. So she put me in contact with him, and uh, I told him our dates and where we wanted to go from from here to there. And uh, he came back and gave me a price, and I said, fine, let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, that way, you know, I had everything planned out, and I said I was had a schedule, and, okay, we need to go from here to here and here to here on this day and that day and so on and so forth. Once I handed it over to a guide, I just didn't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And I figured he would keep us on task, and he did. And... Uh, um, he would tell us, you know, okay, well, today we're going to try and make it to such and such a place. And uh, we generally made it. And uh, he would just, I mean, he didn't he didn't push us, but he kept us going. Nice. And did that take some of the, I don't say stress, but maybe concern or questioning out of it so where you could kind of relax oh, and enjoy it more? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't have to worry about... Uh, finding bus transportation to where we were going to start. I didn't have to worry about finding transportation out. Um, I didn't have to worry about finding a place to sleep every night because at this time of year, a lot of the tea houses are closed up for the winter. Oh, wow. And and uh, the, the people are like, uh, like animals. They migrate. <laughs> so at the end of trekking season, they close up shop and they migrate to Kathmandu or Pokhara or someplace warm. And uh, so, you know, this this our guide has done this trek, this particular trek. I think he told us around 50 times. Holy cow! He had just gotten back from guiding an Irish group. Oh wow! And uh, <clears throat> so he he knows everybody. Yeah. And uh, so 
he would just call ahead and make arrangements, and we'd get to place, and he'd say, okay, we're going to stay here. Okay. And uh, that's where we'd stay. And, you know, he, he took all of the the worry and stress out of it. That's awesome. Basically. And you mentioned it a minute ago, the people migrate. What was the, what were the people like? I mean, I imagine that's why they're there and they migrate in and out. So they know people are trekking and this is sure. kind of the thing like touristy, whatever. How, how was the experience with the people? Uh, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, never had a bad interaction with anybody at all. Wow. They were all universally nice and kind and helpful. Um, taxi drivers tend to be a little more helpful because they want your business, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, everywhere we went, uh, we never had an inner, uh, a bad, bad experience with people at all. What about, you mentioned it earlier since you had a good experience with people. What about the food? What was your dietary well, stuff like you said, vegetarian, I imagine the right. food's similar, right? Right. Well, it was, it was funny. So... <laughs> You go to these tea houses, and you look at the menu, and they'll have their logo for their tea house on the front. And you look inside, and the menu's exactly the same <laughs> at every tea house. Then you turn onto the back page, and it says, Menu approved by the Tourism Subcommittee of Manong District. Gotcha. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> so it's basically everywhere you stop, they've got the same stuff. Right, but... They all do their own little take on it, yeah. like the 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 running joke, I guess you could say, uh, when you go trekking in, in Nepal is uh, Dalbot Power 24-Hour. Dalbot is like a national dish in Nepal, and it's uh, we would eat that twice a day. And when you eat Dalbot, it's typically all you can eat. So you'll be powering through this stuff, and they'll come out and say, do you want more rice? Do you want more curry? Do you want more lentils? And, you know, whatever. And and, uh, and they'll pile more on your plate until you just tell them, nope, I'm good. So dalbot is like a meal. It's not necessarily, because you just mentioned curry, rice, and lentils. Yeah. Is it mixed together? Is there three sections? Uh, you can it mix just... it together. Okay. We always had it served to us. Uh, you have a plate, and uh, you have a mound of white rice in the middle, and then you have a bowl of some sort of lentil soup, and uh, then you have uh, some sort of curry. It's usually potato-based, and, uh, and then you have some sort of pickled veggies, usually like radishes oh, yeah. a lot of times. Okay. And then you have some sort of cooked greens, typically spinach. And uh, those are, you know, placed on the outside of your mound of rice, and then you do whatever you want with it. If you want to mix it all together, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But that's that's pretty much the basics of, of Dalbot. Gotcha. And was there other, like, when you're traveling, did you take anything with you or pick anything up, like, between stops, like Snicker bars, granola bars? Did you oh, do any type Snicker, of that? Snickers bars on the Annapurna Circuit are like the go-to food. Is Every it? little store sells Snicker bars. <laughs> we had brought a bunch with us and we were hoarding them until we went over the pass because that's kind of the treat that you do when you go over the throng law pass is you break out a snickers bar that's kind of the thing right (laughs) yeah that's kind of the thing but yeah you could go i mean every little store sells snack foods whether it's pringles are huge over there really yeah cans of pringles in every store wow uh never bought a can but yeah every store has pringles what is their pricing like for stuff uh, like a Snicker bar, is it average of what you would do here? It depends on where you are. Okay. 
the higher you go in elevation, the more pricey it gets. So it goes up as so, you go up. So <laughs> when you get up up near where it's time to go over the pass, then it might cost you a couple hundred rupees, which is basically a dollar seventy-five. Oh, that ain't bad. That's uh, not even vending machine level yet. Right. And <laughs> and whereas down earlier, maybe it's a hundred rupees. Wow. Yeah. So it. It's all, the higher you go, the more expensive things get because it's harder to get the stuff there. What did you do with about currency? Did you carry their local ca- ca- yeah. cash or did you have a cash and credit Everything's card? Everything's in cash. Okay. Um, so you just have a big wad of, big old, like Nepali, a big, yeah, a big, big old thick circular wad with a rubber band. Nepali rupees. Nice. It yeah. felt like Monopoly money. <laughs> kind of. Can I say real? You know, I had a stack of thousand rupee notes and a thousand rupees, we just, I just thought of it as ten bucks. Wow. Because that's roughly what, what it, it is. is. Yeah. And so I had a stack of those. And, yeah, we paid our guide in cash. Everything is cash on that route. Okay. Uh, I've I've heard there are ATMs wow. um, in a couple of the larger towns, but I, I never looked for them. I never needed them. Yeah. So we just made sure that we had plenty of cash going in. Is that when you're, you finish, you're on your, you hit the, the end right before you get into town, you just get a bunch of money and just start flicking it, like letting it rain on everybody because it's like not real money. <laughs> That's when I went to Canada the very first time and I got a bunch of Canadian currency. Right. It felt fake to me. I'd never, you know, I'd never experienced this. I'm like, does this work? You know? Yeah. So I imagine that's yeah, what I Yeah, it took to a little bit like, getting used to the, to the different notes. Yeah. There's no coins. Okay. It's all, it's all bank notes. Okay. And everything from 5 rupee, 10 rupee, 20 rupee, 50, 100, 500,000. Wow. And they're all different sizes. Oh, really? See, yeah. I would thousand, totally think Monopoly money if that yeah, was the case. Yeah, and all different colors. And it took a few days to get used to it. I would just end up uh, holding them out. Which ones do you want? Give right. me that food. Here's a, you want a <laughs> Snicker bar? Take one of these back. Right. Um, the, the, uh, we talked about what you eat. We talked about, you brought it up a few times. So I want to kind of get into that is the elevation. Yeah. So I'm imagining the start. Where did you start from town wise? So the town we started at, uh, uh, we took a bus from Kathmandu to Besa Sahar. And that's typically where you start. And it's a good sized, it's a good sized town, lots of shops, uh, lots of trekking stores. It's kind of where if you're doing the full trek, you start in Besa Sahar. What we did is we got there, and it was a little late to get started in the day, so our guide grabbed a Jeep, and we took a Jeep ride to the little tiny town of Nadi. Okay. And uh, that's where we started, and that took us about another half an hour to get to. So we started in the little town of Nadi. Uh, it's probably about 2,500 feet elevation. Wow. Okay. So subtropics, I mean, there we saw banana trees. Wow. Um uh, everything's nice and green. Uh, as we were walking through the down the trail, the cicadas are out, and you see birds, and you know it's very it's pretty lush, even though it's dry season. Wow. Um, so we start out there. Uh, the next day, I mean, we went twelve twelve and a half miles the next day to the town of Chamche. Um, that was a long day. Tons of waterfalls. I mean, there is so much water pouring out of those mountains. Um, and, and of course, we're trekking in a valley with a raging river, uh, that, and it was low. I mean, it, it's not like it was flooding. It was low. That was still just, just ripping. Yeah, and, it, and it's that kind of milky green color with that's glacial runoff. Wow. Uh, so it was, it was really cool. 
Um, but yeah, lots of water, waterfalls. Um, people living on the side of mountains was just shocked me, or I shouldn't say shocked me. Um, uh, I, I really was awestruck, awestruck with that because you look up this steep hillside and you'll see some houses like a thousand feet up, two thousand feet up, and you think, okay, the only way up there is to walk. <laughs> And you can't see the trail. You don't know where where they walk up, you know. And I remember, oh, gosh, I don't remember what town it was. I think it was near Tall. We looked up and saw a suspension bridge like a 1,000 feet in the air. And apparently it goes to some temple up there. And uh, we didn't go up there to, to see it, but... You know, we would, as we climb in elevation, sometimes we would see these places way up above us, and then eventually we'd end up above them and could look back. And you could look down and see these little hamlets, if you will, rice paddies around and all that. And and this is just where they live. Wow. You know, so it was, it was pretty incredible. This is not a lot of trick-or-treaters there. Going house to house. Yeah, they probably don't know what Halloween is. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What? Um, you know, talk about elevation. So you started at about, about twenty five hundred feet. What did uh-huh. you peak out at? Like, where were you guys elevation wise? Like, say your your top of. So when you when you trek Annapurna, the the big deal is to go over the uh, Thorong Law Pass. It's supposedly the highest navigable pass in the world, and I use the term navigable loosely because it's nothing but a trail. <laughs> And that's at 17,762 feet. Wow. So, uh, or, you know, 5,416 meters for your international listeners. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, you make, you know, we spent, goodness, one, oh, we spent five days getting there. And we did take a rest day in the town of Manong which sits at about 11,000 feet. We just did a day hike that day. Do you think uh, that helped a little bit? Or do you, do you oh, think I'm it sure was it so did. Early that I the, mean, our, yeah. our guide had us start taking Dymox there at, uh, at 10,000 feet, 11,000 feet. And so we took it, you know, you take it twice a day. And uh, supposedly it, it helps stave off altitude sickness. Uh, none of us ever got altitude sick, so I assume it worked. <laughs> what was it like being up that high, though? I mean, could you feel it? I know it's like not being sick, but I know I've only, I think the highest I've been is like Handy's in, in the San Juans, and yeah. I, I thought I was awesome, because I hit, you know, I was like 11, I got probably close to 12, and I'm like, yeah, this ain't that, Well, Handy's know? is over 14. Yeah, I know, but oh. I'm just saying I got close to 12, I'm like, oh, that's not bad, but I hit, like, the, it was like the last maybe 1,000 that I thought I was going to die. Like, right? that's when the sumo dude was sitting <laughs> on my chest. Like, it hit me that quick, but I just remember... Even getting up to Handy's was. I, I don't remember. So so the little place that you stay before you make the push over the pass is called Throng Fitty, and there's two or three tea houses there. And it's like all the truckers gather there and and spend the night, and then everybody gets up at four o'clock the next morning to make the push over the pass. That sits at fourteen thousand five hundred feet, and it's. You don't get good sleep there. You know, um, you can definitely tell the altitude. Um, walking on level ground 
is not an issue. Walking downhill really isn't an issue. <laughs> the minute you start to go uphill, it's like four steps in. You're like, oh, my. Here yeah, go. here I am. Now throw 30 pounds on your back. Holy cow. And uh, <clears throat> so when we got to Throng Fetty, we got there early. That was our short day. We got there, goodness, I think we got there around noon. And uh, so we, we ate lunch, and then we made a day trip up to what they call Throng High Camp. And that's like halfway up the pass. And that's another place where you can actually spend the night. And it's at over 16,000 feet. Wow. And our, and our guide says, no, you never stay at high camp because you'll sleep lousy. And it's really cold. And, yeah, we just don't do that. But we did the, a day hike up there. And that the climb up to high camp, um, think... I think going up Bear Canyon, that steep for, goodness, it was about, what was it? It was like a mile up to high camp, but we gained like 1,200 feet. Wow. So really, really steep. Well, think going up Maylands. Yeah. Only think going up Maylands at 16,000 feet. Yeah. And and you have a rough idea of what it was like. How long did that take? Uh, without pack, it took us 50 minutes to get up there. That's not not horrible bad. bad. No. Uh, the next morning, with 30 pounds on our back, it took an hour 10. We oh. timed it. And, yeah, you get up to high camp, and it's nothing but a moonscape, because now you're above anything living. <laughs> there, there are no People grass. People are barely living in that altitude. Something like that. There was actually <laughs> a garden plot up there. Of course, it's fall, so nothing's growing in it. But they had a fenced-off garden plot up there. I have no idea what they grow. Huh. But um, there are no, obviously, no trees. There is no, there are no grasses growing. There's no brush. No low shrubbery. Nothing. It's like a moonscape. It's nothing but rocks up there and old snow do you think you would have stayed at high camp without your guide telling you not to do it no oh no i wouldn't have uh my original plan was to stay down at uh okay. at uh throng fetty when you and guys make the push over when you guys did the day hike there and then came back down to hike it again the next day was there any anxiety about having to do it again with a pack like when you guys were coming all three of you are coming down were you guys like oh hell we got this tomorrow with 30 pounds oh hell yeah <laughs> Yeah, and and I was just thinking, holy crap, this is gonna suck. It's <laughs> gonna suck mightily. <laughs> yeah. Seventy minute mile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So there's a lot of stopping. Like, so here's the thing. When I again, the only thing I compare it to is when I did handy. So I'm above thirteen now. I actually there was three of us at the time. Uh, Matt Trappy. There's a couple other people around me, and they had. Curtis Thompson had poles. I didn't have any poles. Yeah. So we would literally, I would for sure, we'd take three or four steps and stop. Uh-huh. And they were leaning on their poles, and I had nothing. And, again, there's nothing to lean on. Right. And so I just would stand there and try and find some new position to rest in because there's like five or six <laughs> steps. They're leaning on poles, and I'm like, I got nothing, man. Because that's Was that kind of like what you guys would take uh, some steps and stop, or you just kind of like motion you just go, slow? You just go really, really slow. <laughs> And you have a tendency to stop at the switchback turns <laughs> because true. it's a handy place to stop. 
<laughs> it's your but, goal. I can get to the next one. And you know, the next one. what was so uh, anxiety-inducing, I guess, <laughs> is so we get to uh, Throng Fetty, and we're at 14,500 feet. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's been, I wouldn't say a struggle, but it's been uh, hard to get there just because of a lack of oxygen. Are you halfway through at that point, too, of your trip? Oh, we were about uh, probably 60 miles in. Okay, so you're getting closer to Fleece being, but you're tired, though. I mean, you've been out for a while anyway. Yeah, it's been 60 miles all uphill. Yeah, okay. At that point. And uh, so, you know, our, our guide tells us, okay, uh, 3.30, wake up, we leave at 4. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> you know, and this is in the afternoon, and the temperature in the afternoon with the sun out was probably not freezing. It was probably in the 20s. And so the next morning, 3.30 rolls around. You're just, oh, gosh. And the, the one thing I, I did know, sleeping that night, so... No, no bathrooms in the rooms. You have to go out of your room outside and down to another room where there's a hole in the floor. <laughs> there's a lot of waterfalls there. Oh yeah, uh, but uh, the stars at fourteen thousand feet are incredible. It's like you can reach out and touch them. Um, it was so cool to uh, see that at you know one in the morning and go out there. Anyway, get up at 3.30 in the morning, go down to the dining room, you grab breakfast along with all the other truckers that got up at 3.30 in the morning as well, and we hit the trail at 4.30, and it's still dark, and you could look up this steep-ass trail and see all these headlamps in front of you and just think, oh, crap, I have to go up that now with my pack on. That's when you start selling everything in your pack. <laughs> start just pitching it by the side of the trail. Right. No, you just you just take it as deep a breath as you can, which isn't very deep. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> take a deep and, wheeze. And you just start going one step at a time. And you just take it slow. And when you need to stop, you stop. And uh, eventually you get up there. And it took us, so to get, it's three and a half miles up to the top of the pass. And it took us three and a half hours. Okay. And our guide says, oh, it'll take us four or five hours. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> because I have that I have the race mentality yeah, it's going a, on, that yeah. trail running. It's not what Ultra Sign Up told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my Ultra Sign Up ranking says I should do it like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, that was one thing I had to really do is break out of that race mentality. You know, and realize that, you know, when I'm tired, I just stop and take a break and enjoy the scenery and all that. But anyway, uh, it took us three and a half hours to get to the top. Um, we were able to see the sunrise over the Himalaya Mountains from about 16,000 feet. Ugh. And it was incredible. Um, just incredible. Um, you know, you see you see glaciers, uh, ice falls on the peaks. I mean, when you know, glacier spilling over a cliff, you know, and and you look at the edge of that glacier and it's 50 feet thick. Holy cow. Or 100 feet thick, depending on where you are, and you're right up there with it. And uh, it was just um, incredible. There was, there was no, there was a little bit of snow on the trail going up. It was old, uh, old snow. It had been there, who knows how long, a couple weeks maybe. Um, but other than that, it was just like a moonscape. Uh, just nothing but rocks. Wow. And uh, and people, 
slogging forward one step at a time. <laughs> did you did you find yourself meeting other trekkers? Yes. Just based on like pace and I, mean, I imagine similar when you get in the same routine. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, well, there was one group from Germany. Um, I think it was three or four of them that spoke pretty good English, and we'd see them at every tea house we stopped at, just about at least, especially the last several days. Yeah. And uh, so we got to got to know them a little bit, and would chat with them in the in the afternoons or evenings when we'd all be in the dining room, you know, eating dinner or whatever. Uh, super nice people. We met people from Germany, England, Israel, uh, Slovenia. Where else? Um, I think we only met some other Americans one time. Wow. Uh, but most everybody that we met is lots of Chinese uh, make the trip over. Um most most everybody that was trucking is European. Okay. Um, it's a little easier to get to Kathmandu from <laughs> someplace in Europe than it is from Salt Lake City. Yeah, a little further, <laughs> a little different trek to get over there. Right. Uh, so one lady was complaining about her trip from England taking like six hours to Ist- or no four hours to Istanbul and then six hours from Istanbul to Kathmandu, and I'm like. Okay, I had four and a half hours to JFK, 12 hours to Doha, and another four and a half hours to Kathmandu. I don't feel sorry for that. Nothing, woman. <laughs> what, uh, so when you get to the top of that pass, so is that kind of, like you said, it's the, the pinnacle part of where you're sure. at? Sure, it's is, the literal and figurative high point of the track. And is it, and I know it's, yeah, ups and downs, but it's like when they say it's downhill from here. I mean, at some point you have to know you're basically It was all down. downhill. Okay. It was 6,000 feet and six miles. Wow. It was steep down. And uh, that's got to take a little while, too, when you're carrying oh, it a did. pack that size. It did. And, uh, you know, my of course, that's where my trail running background came in handy because I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. My my brother and my nephew were like, this sucks. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're not used to that, that's a quad buster. It was anyway. a definite quad buster. Yeah. It was hard on their knees. And I'm like, yeah, OK, that that the day over the past was finally what. Made my legs just a hair sore. I felt that one. After the pass, did the, did when you slept that next night, did you stay another, like a rest of day, or did you just guys keep going? No, we just one? kept going. Yeah. yeah, we got down to the town of Muktanath, and that uh, sits at about 10,000 feet. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing how thick the air is at 10,000 <laughs> feet. <laughs> it's abundant. We've got enough here. We don't need any more. Yeah, and then and then the next day we made the trek on in. It was our last day into Jomsom, and Jomsom sits at about, I think, around 8,000 feet. So wow. it was, you know, back down in kind of territory I'm used to. Is that the highest point you've ever been? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because before I, that you'd been, what, probably King's Port, Peak. Which is, what, 13? 13.8. Okay, so then you were up to, what was that one, 17? 17.7, almost 17.8. So, think, I mean, we slept. You know, it's it's funny. We got to Throng Fetty at fourteen thousand five hundred, and my nephew, who's from California, says, "Yep, Mount Whitney is our bitch," because <laughs> we slept we slept higher than Mount Whitney. <laughs> Gosh, that's so crazy. Um, I mean, what kind of? I guess if I probably I know it's hard to do, but I like to ask these. What were some of the highlights? Like if you could say there's your three top memories from that trip. I'm One may be the top of the, the pass. pass. The pass is definitely a highlight. Um, I, I, I don't 
I don't I don't know. It was all a highlight. Yeah. Uh, I remember as we were trekking the, I think it was the third day. And just we were high up on on the above, on the side of the valley. The scenery was just spectacular. I mean, we had views of Annapurna Two, Annapurna Three, Gangapurna Peak, Pasong Peak, Manasulu, uh, all these huge, you know, twenty to twenty-six thousand foot peaks with glaciers hanging off of them, and just we're in we're in a pine forest, and uh, we're going through just, uh, you know, and I I just kept thinking. I can't believe I'm actually here. This is just almost overwhelming. I'm in Nepal. <laughs> well, I mean, I just think like when I've gone, I'm, the only thing I can come close to is Silverton. Yeah. And so when you're in Silverton and you look up and see these massive peaks where you're at, you're like, oh, my gosh. But when you get to Handy's, 14,000, you look around and you're kind of on top of everything. Right. I couldn't imagine being at 17,000 and looking up, seeing... Twenty. Well, you the know. peak on either side of that pass, they're both twenty-one thousand foot. Yeah, I just so another four thousand feet up. Being that high and still look up and go, wow, yeah. that's in, that would be insane. Oh, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was incredible. I, you know, as far as just highlights, I think. Well, we had the switchbacks from hell. Uh oh. Um, that was after we left Manong. Which is sits at ten thousand feet, and then we had to hike up to Garu, which is a five hundred year old village, according to our guide. It switchbacks twelve hundred feet in a mile. Oh, yeah, and it's another one of those slow grinds. But you get up on top there, on this little town, clinging to the side of the mountain, and uh, you're you're eating an apple pie. You know, a small apple pie and drinking tea. And you look out and the temperature, it was sunny. It was probably in the 50s. It was just perfect. And you're on this terrace overlooking the valley and you just think, wow, this is just incredible that I'm here and I can see this. And, you know, you can take all the pictures you want, but they don't do it justice. I could imagine. Well, I mean, you're, and when you talk about it too, uh, 1,200 feet in a mile, I mean, kind of in your head like if you go back to running mode you're yeah. kind of like oh yeah you know but now yeah, you got steep but i can do that yeah, but now you throw in some altitude and 30 pound pack and then you're kind of like yeah. Oh, yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> challenge accepted kind of <laughs> just because i have to at this yeah. point yeah, i don't have any way out of this unless i want to <laughs> medevac out <laughs> that's amazing and i, I think without i think you just said it because we were exchanging some message and you think you took over 850 photos something like that and if you go through them I mean, obviously you recognize them, right, sure. where you were, sure. but it doesn't, I mean, I can see in your head, you look at it and go, oh, gosh, cause it, just, it oh, doesn't yeah. quite do it. When you're yeah. trying to explain it to Karen or someone that you're talking to, it just doesn't quite explain oh, yeah. what, what you were doing. Oh, what, I, I, I threw the pictures all up on the, on the big screen at home for Karen, oh. and <laughs> I was still so, this is three days later, three days after I get back, I was still so wiped out. I'm going through the pictures, and all of a sudden, I just zoned out and fell asleep. <laughs> Karen's, Karen's waiting for me to go to the next picture, and then I snapped away. And went, oh, I think I better go to bed. <laughs> you were probably thinking about the hike you were on. You're like, I'm getting tired just no, looking at it. No, I was just tired. <laughs> well, because on the way back, I mean, total time travel from when you left to get here was what? Total time. You mean actually traveling or while I was over there? 
uh, so traveling. Took, so when you left. When I left Salt Lake, it took me 28 hours to get there. And then on the way it home. It took me 34 hours to get home. And then right when you got home, you went right to work though, right? Yeah, I got in. Uh, Karen picked me up at, I think, 11 o'clock at night. And I got home and crashed. Got up at 5 o'clock the next morning. And just like my life had never, I'd never gone. Wow. Went out to the barn, feed the horse, clean horse shit up, <laughs> feed the cats, <laughs> feed the dogs, feed myself, get ready for work and go to work. And I was I was pretty much more useless on Monday than I normally am at work. So did it tell? How long do you think it took before you kind of got back to like? It was Thursday. So it was like a few days yeah, before was, you got back to yeah. like things were not foggy. I, I was. I didn't do as bad on Monday as I thought. I got back Sunday night, so I didn't do as bad on Monday as I thought. Tuesday, I was still a little foggy. Wednesday, I was just, work was okay, but I got home and just, I think I went to bed at like 7 o'clock, slept until 5 the next morning, woke up Thursday, I was like, okay, I feel normal now. So, yeah, it took a few days to get over the jet lag. (laughs) Man, how did... uh um, your nephew and brother, how was their experience? Did they just love it too, though? Yeah, they loved it. Uh, though my brother came into the truck with a pretty nice cold going oh. on, so he was pretty congested. Yikes. Which kind of he was okay until we started to go over the pass, and <clears throat> we got about a mile from the top, and he was moving so slow because he was so congested and just could not breathe uh, uh, that we actually put him on a horse. Uh, there are there are guides with horses stationed every so often on that truck up just for people like that. Yeah. And they charge you through the nose. Huh. Well, they can. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and my brother was like, well, how much is it going to cost? And I said, I don't care. Get on the horse. Yeah. So, so this guy put my brother's pack on, put my brother on the horse and took him a mile to the top. Wow. And it was like 80 bucks, 75 bucks. But I got it. Of course, he beat us up there. Oh, I'd hope. And he says, he says, it was totally worth it. (laughs) High altitude Uber. That's what what it was. A high altitude Uber. A four-legged Uber at high altitude. (laughs) Um, it, so I know like there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, we've had discussions before. Is that something you think you'll do again? I would love to do it again. Uh, I would, I would go back in a heartbeat. Would you do anything differently? Yes. Like what? Um, I would lighten my pack because yeah. I found out that I didn't really need to carry like six pair of underwear and six pair of socks. Three of each would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, you can always turn them inside out, wear them for three days, and you're fine. Yeah. You know, you, you take a shower every three days anyway. Wow. Um, I would probably not take a sleeping bag. Let's see. What else? I, mean, I you, made notes. You made notes because you took your fleece, and you said that was enough. That was enough. It really was. Um, would it be a smaller pack, too, probably then? Well, I could probably get by with my smaller pack. Yeah. Um, I would take fewer clothes. I would not take my big camera. Uh, oh, because okay. that's that sucker's heavy. Yeah. Uh, my nephew bought. He's a photographer for a living. He didn't bring a big camera. He went and bought a point and shoot, and uh, took that and took great pictures. Yeah. And uh, I would, I would want to do it at a different time of year, just 
to see it differently. To see it differently, you know, I've heard in the spring you have they have rhododendron forests over there, and and I've heard that in the spring those bloom and it's beautiful. Uh, our guide was saying if you come in September after the monsoons, everything's green. I mean, when we got up, you know, eight, nine, ten thousand feet, the the trees are like they are around here; they're bare of leaves. Okay. You know, uh, so everything was kind of brown and drab. Um. I would take longer and do fewer miles each day. Okay. I don't want to have to crank out 12 miles a day, 14 miles a day. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather do the half that distance and be done by noon, and, and then you can ex- yeah relax it. or go maybe explore a side trail or wander through the town. Our our day off in Manong, we did a day hike, and we also had time to where I, we went over to the old city the old part of the city, and just wandered the back alleys. And uh, these little, I mean, you just down these little warrens and such just to see what was there. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, it was it was very interesting to do. Um, I would also, because we're a little bit of time crunched, we spent a lot of time. So there's a road that goes all the way up to the town of Manong. And we spent a lot of time on that road, and we could see the original trail, like, across the valley on the other side of the river. I would want to take that instead. I would want to get off the road and more on the original trail. And, and it, you know, obviously you're going to be slower, but yeah. I think it would be more enjoyable. I mean, because you were probably fit for, I mean... Yeah. To go over there, so that wasn't an issue. Would you no. do anything differently with that? Like maybe hike more or no. here? Maybe? No, I I would stick with my current training that okay. I do, which has been non-existent <laughs> since the bear. <laughs> but but good enough. Good enough. Yeah. So um, and you you mentioned that you covered eighty seven and it's about one sixty something. Would you do the other stuff? I mean, I, how, what I, would you do with that? I think it would be interesting to do that as we took our jeep ride out of Johnson. Uh, we did pass truckers on the road, and uh, as we got further and further down in elevation, we could see the trekking trail on the, you know, where you would go. And, uh, yeah, I, I would want to do some exploring over there. There's a, there's a ton of treks that you can do in Nepal. I mean, the two famous ones are the Annapurna Circuit and Everest Base Camp. Um I really don't care whether I would do Everest Base Camp or not, uh, but there's a lot of other places to trek over there, and and I think it'd be interesting to do some more. So break it down, uh, like <clears throat> not the, the the high expensive Uber or you know maybe some odds <laughs> and ends, but if you had to put a price tag on your 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 travel, your guide. Everything? Yeah. I mean, if you had to put a price tag on it for people Uh, out there to get an idea of what something like that would be. Well under $3,000 from Salt Lake City. Wow. And half of that's the price of your plane ticket. So it depends on when you go, I'm assuming, and what kind of deal you get. You know, it's actually cheaper to get to Kathmandu than it is to get to Paris. Really? Yeah. wonder why. People don't go there, so they need people to go there, or what? (laughs) Apparently. I don't know. I I just like the name of Kathmandu. Like, I would, you know... Like an I Heart Katmandu shirt would be kind of cool. You just don't see those. <laughs> yeah, Katmandu is a crap hole of a city. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting place. 
the pollution there is horrible. I mean, it makes our inversions here nothing. It really does. I mean, uh, the traffic is horrible. There's no uh, stoplights are non-existent. I mean, I actually never saw a stoplight. Uh, everything's roundabouts. Um, it's like a free-for-all roundabout. They don't have, like, lanes, do they? I've seen uh, some stuff. Yeah, there, there's lane markings. It's recommendations. There, yeah, they're, they're mild recommendations. Okay. <laughs> Best. We had extra paint. We put it here. Right. <laughs> crosswalks. Yeah, there's crosswalks. There's no crosswalk signs. There's no one to stop you. My brother and I went for a walk out in Kathmandu. We were we were mainly, when we were in Kathmandu, we stayed in, in uh, the Tamil district, which is kind of the tourist district. And uh, you stay in there, and, and you're, you're pretty safe, <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> but we went out because he had to find an Apple store for whatever reason. An Apple? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so it, it meant we had to walk a few blocks. And we're looking at a couple of busy streets that we have to cross, and we're like, oh, we're going to die. How do people do this? And finally, I had this brilliant idea. I said, okay. We find some locals that look like they're going to cross the street. We hang with Follow them. Follow them. We hang with them. And that's exactly what we did. And we made it across the streets just fine. And driving there is a totally different attitude. Um, um, if there's an opening, somebody's going to take it, either a motorcycle, another car, maybe a truck. Um, you're six inches off everybody's bumper Dang. all the time. Uh, but there is no road rage. No such thing as road rage. Never saw it. Everybody, if you start to cross the street, they'll stop and wait for you. You just don't look at them. Uh-huh. You don't look at the car because if you make eye contact with the that car, they think they, they have it. Gotcha. It's, they have the right of way. And so you just, you basically are just gritting your teeth and ignoring them, hoping that they see you and stop. You're and bra- they do. You're bracing for impact. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just in <laughs> <you> case. <laughs> Every muscle's tense and you're ready to take this vehicle yeah, on. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, 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 Never saw an accident. I never saw a fender bender. I never saw a bent fender. I mean, it's just a total different mindset for driving over there. You put me in a car over there, and either I'm going to die or somebody else is going to die. I, I, that's <laughs> or you'll just see me happen. parked on the side of the road crying. That's yeah, in a fetal position in the car in the driver's seat. <laughs> so if you're ever going to go over there, maybe you just play a video game Frogger a lot before you go over just to get zoned in to, to yeah, get across the yeah. road or something. Well, the, the thing is, is they make liberal use of the car horns. And so as we would walk through, down through Tunnel District, which is very narrow streets, but traffic goes down. As you're walking along, if you hear a car horn behind you, just a quick beep, you just kind of ease over a little bit and they go flying past you. Oh, man. And pretty soon... You don't whip your head around and say, oh, gosh, he's going to hit me. You just ease over because that's what you do. And it took about a day to get used to that, and that was it. And after that, you just... You were programmed at that point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it just took a day of programming is so, all it was. <laughs> but, yeah, it was... Uh, but Kathmandu is, is just... Of course, we didn't get out and really explore a lot of it, but really it, it's kind of a crap all of a city in my book so you, you did you go over there with more than your backpack nope so that was it so you yep. took everything you had with you the whole time well i had a day i had my my adventure pack that i used for adventure runs that i used as a carry-on okay so 
and then my backpack I had inside a travel duffel, if you will, uh-huh. to kind of protect it from the baggage monkeys. And uh, the hotel we stayed at our first night in Kathmandu, uh, we just left it there in storage. Okay. And so when we got back to Kathmandu, okay. uh, we stayed there another night uh, before we headed out. But, yeah, they just put it in the storeroom, give you a baggage check. and. So you started there, you ended somewhere else, and just went, traveled back there via plane. Right. So so we finished our trek in the town of Jomsom. We were supposed to fly out. <clears throat> the thing with Jomsom is it sits in the bottom of this valley, and the wind is a constant factor there. Uh, as we were hiking into Jomsom, we were coming down this valley, and the winds were somewhere between 20 and 35 miles an hour. Wow. Just very strong, constant always, you know, dust clouds. It's very dry and deserty in that area. So there are three flights a day into Johnson. They're all before 10 a.m. If they don't get in by then, they're not getting out. Wow. <laughs> so, so the day we were to fly out, uh, you know, we go to the airport terminal, and there's you know, a lot of other people there, too, trying to fly out. The flight couldn't leave Pakara. Because of fog. Oh, so finally one flight left and they got overhead and they couldn't land oh, because geez. it was just weather conditions. So that flight turned around, went back. That meant everybody in the terminal had to find either stay another way, another night, or find alternative transportation, bus, jeep, whatever. Our guide, we left it to him. He found us a jeep. And we took a seven-hour cheap ride oh, from hell. That's after being on the trail for so many days where you're just kind of Seven just hours. Done. And we, I'll bet we didn't go 100 miles. Oh, my God. Because it's a 20-minute flight. Oh, my God. What to, I mean, what takes so long? Is it the roads? It's, it's or the roads. Crowded or just no, bad roads? No, it's just roads, bad roads. That entire road from Jomsom almost to Pakara is in one big state of construction. Wow. And so it's extremely rough. Uh, you just you just can't go fast, uh, oh even on the paved sections. So the first four hours of that ride were nothing but just jeep track, rough, rough Bouncy, jeep yeah. track. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we finally hit some pavement, and the fastest I ever saw the guy's speedometer. I was sitting in the front seat, was like sixty-five kilometers an hour, which is like thirty-five miles an hour. Holy cow! It's just that bad and took that long. And it's windy and switchbacks and up and down. And, yeah, yeah it, was, it was the cheap ride from hell. That's no bueno. To, to Pokhara. Pokhara is a beautiful town. Uh, it sits right on a lake. It's very scenic. Um, we had a nice hotel right next to the lake. Um, it, was, it was beautiful there. Um, it was warm, too. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, and then we flew from Pokhara to Kathmandu the next day. Oh, okay. So you'd fly from there yeah, to there. Yeah, and then how like long that. were you in Kathmandu before you came home? Like at night? Uh, just one night, one night and most of the next day. And then my flight left the next night at like 10 o'clock. So it's a, I mean, it's it's a short trip, but a long trip, but just a whirlwind. Like you're just always, yeah, you're always, always doing, doing something. something. There, is no always down, there was no downtime. Um, I can see why not just the jet lag, but you'd just be kind of 
exhausted. I, I was glad to get home. Yeah. You know, because you know they always say you recover from vacation by going back to work. Yeah. <laughs> what was the first thing you were craving to eat when you got back to the states? So I got to JFK at like noon. And after 15 hours in the middle seat on a plane. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you do? Try and sleep? You don't sleep the whole I tried time. to sleep. I, I think That'd I slept so maybe a couple hours total. Um, uh, Deadpool. Um, <laughs> a couple other movies. Uh, some TV shows. Just whatever read, you can find. Write in my journal. You know, just... Every every time the lady sitting next to me on the aisle, she would get up. Man, I was out of there. Oh, yeah. You know, I, if nothing else, I was going to stand and go to the bathroom, you know, just to get up. And, uh, yeah, that was a long, long flight. And then you got to JFK. So I get to JFK, go through customs, go over to JetBlue, check my bags for my flight back to Salt Lake City, and headed for the food court. Yeah. Pizza and a soda. You just probably hit the spot. Oh, I did. Did it mess with your stomach since you hadn't had it for nope, so long? It's kind of like, all. wait a minute, where's my lentils? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was nice to get a couple of slices of pepperoni pizza and shove them in my face. Did the tear come down? He thought, America, love it here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was nice to get back where most everybody speaks English that you can understand. Yeah. You know, um, not going to lie there. Yeah. Um, but still, I I miss it over there. Yeah, you know, it was it was a unique experience. What would you if you could go not there? Because I know you know again having discussions. See, is there another place on your radar that seems like a place you would like to do if you could do a next? Um, I've seen a couple of people that I'm I'm friends with, like on Facebook and Instagram. They're down in Chile doing Torres del Paine. Okay. The National Park, there's a pretty good trek down there or a series of treks you can do, and that's what they're doing. That looks interesting. Um, I wouldn't mind. So I, a, a lady I used to work with, her and her husband have gone over to Spain. and uh, the Camino? The, the Camino. Yeah. And they've done that. And what I like about that is they trek, and every night they're in like a Airbnb. Yeah. So and their luggage gets forwarded. That's they take awesome. a day pack. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, that looks like that would be interesting, just because it would be different. Um, uh, I, I liken this trek in Nepal to basically um, indoor backpacking, in that we didn't have to take a tent, but we were still kind of roughing it. Yeah. Is this your first like trek though? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. Do you like them now? Is that you look oh, at yeah. it and go, oh, I, would, I could totally I, do I this. Could, I could totally do that for every vacation. Really? Yeah. I I'm not one to just want to go sit. Yeah, I'm not either. On a beach yeah. or by a pool and drink umbrella drinks. Yeah. I'm the same way. I think uh, if, although they're kind of nice, but maybe at the end of the. That's what I was gonna say. If you did something pretty <laughs> iconic, and then at the end you could do that, I would be all yeah. for that. Yeah, I would. I would. One of the things I would do after that trek is I wish I had a couple more days in Pokhara, uh, because it is pretty. There are things to do around there. You can rent a mountain bike and go up into the hills. They have mountain biking trails. They have. You can rent rowboats and go out on the lake and the shopping there, and it's just um, um, a little more refined, if you will. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be that would be actually really good after instead of oh my god, like you said, I can't imagine finishing that and then 
I'm in a seven-hour Jeep ride. I would like, <laughs> can I just walk? I'll just follow you guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, well <laughs> it might have been as fast. I know. It's I like, don't. I know you might be moving faster, but I'll catch you when you stop. You yeah. Know, or it tips yeah. over. One of the two. <laughs> right. <laughs> that just sounds a little, little painstaking. Yeah. Um, and re- to, just to recap, I mean, we talked about that, but since you've been back, um, you just got some work done on your Achilles, so you're kind of out of commission. Uh, for the a, moment. You got uh, an injection. Yeah, I had um, had a couple of tears in the in the left Achilles, not my my right one. My right one's the one that I got operated on a couple of years ago. That sucker's bulletproof. <laughs> um, not worried about that. But the left one had a couple of tears. They weren't healing up. My sports doc said, Okay, when you get back from Nepal, come in. We'll give you a PRP injection. And uh, for those of you that don't know, that's a platelet-rich plasma injection. They take your blood, they spin it down, take the platelets, shove a needle into the tendon, and inject it. Oh, that hurt. He shoved that needle in, and I felt it going in, and that that was like, okay, that that stings a little bit. And he says, okay, your Achilles is going to feel like it's going to explode. Oh, my God. And, like, and all of a sudden, it was like, holy crap, yes, it does. Oh, I couldn't do that. Um, I, I put dents into the sheet metal from gripping it so hard <laughs> on the table. It's like, this must be where people do this. <laughs> yeah, oh. I could feel previous finger marks. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it hurt. But oh. the good thing is, he was only in there for a couple minutes. Uh, it was really painful for the rest of the day. Uh, now it's a week later. It's it still hurts a little bit, but I'm walking fairly normal. And uh, how long do you have to? Much longer are you out for? Uh, running wise, I'm out for another four to five weeks. Um, but oh. I can I can walk. Yeah. Uh, I can get back in the weight room as long as I'm not doing anything like explosive or explosive or yeah. bouncy, like stay off the treadmill. Um, um, you know, I could I can even do squats and such if I want. Uh, although I'll probably hold off another week or two on that. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I can get back in the gym. Uh, in fact, the doc recommends it. Uh, he recommends stressing that Achilles once two three weeks have gone by. Uh, he says studies are showing that that helps with the healing process. Uh, so we'll see. He says with this kind of injection, he's done it a lot. Uh, he says about eighty percent success rate. Well, that's good. With fixing it. So hopefully that takes care of it. If not, then it's surgery again. Oh, my God. So what would, well, we want to talk about that. Yeah. So for 2020, then, where, what do you've got, what have you got planned? What's your thoughts for 2020 for what you want to do? Uh, I know we well, already, we're, you and I are heading down to the Grand Canyon at the end of April. I'm excited um, for that. Got my room. Uh, rim to rim to rim. Okay. I haven't done that in a few years. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Um. Uh, I have Bryce Canyon. We're going to go spend some time there in July. July, uh, And I think you're going to be a part of that, too, I hope. Possibly. It depends on the date. Uh, end of July into, like, the 1st of August. Yeah. Depends on the date. I have a races. Okay. So it depends on the date. I have to re-addre- re-look at the date. Yeah. So I have that. Um, as far as races go, I'm signed up for a brand new hundred in Wyoming. Oh, you did sign up for that one. I did sign up for it. Yeah. It's Wyoming Range 100. Uh, it's all above 8,000 feet. You go up to 11. I figure psh, 
<laughs> Nothing. What do you got on that? Yeah, right. <laughs> give me a Snicker bar. I'll be good. <laughs> they give you they give you 48 hours to finish, and I figure at my age I'll probably use a substantial part of it. Oh, it's first year race. Looks pretty hairy. Yeah, it does. Uh, lots of two and three thousand foot climbs. Joel Joel said to me, "There's some uh, wolves that are known to inhabit uh, some of those areas," is what he told me. So I'm gonna go with that. I might. There's some bears. Yeah, there's probably bears. There's probably wolves. I, I looked know. at that. I don't one. worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. If I get eaten, I get eaten. I don't care. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then I'm signed up. What's the other? Oh, I signed up for Hennepin 100 back in Illinois. Oh yeah. In uh, mid October. Wow. So some different stuff. So you've yeah. done you've done that one before, right? Nope, I never okay, have. Okay, so you've never done that I've one. Obviously, to. obviously, you haven't done the Wyoming one because it's its first yeah, year. Yeah, I'm, I'm resisting the urge to sign up for Wasatch. Because you did, you've done ten. I've got 10 finishes, yeah, 13 need, starts. You don't need that one anymore. Yeah, no. I you, mean, you know, if somebody runs it, and I could probably be persuaded to pace somebody, provided they're slow enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't need to do that one. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, Hennepin 100, because I, I want a Western States qualifier, yeah. and that's, that's a Western States qualifier. Um, that that's it for writing. Oh, I'll I'll go do Temp Trail Marathon again because oh, no, that's my do go that to. One. Yeah, I want to. I just saw that some stuff that that's opened up. Yeah. I want to do that one for sure this year. So always do that one. Uh, there's a couple little shorter ones so I'll probably do this one down by Tuella that I've done the last couple of years. That's, that's right. Kind of fun. It's like a hat. You did that. You've done. Yeah, that was it's your like first a 25k. Yeah, like yeah. okay. I remember that one. Um, what else? I was thinking about Salt Flats, but the same weekend as we're doing Grand Canyon, so. Oh bummer! Yeah, came out to that death march. <laughs> <laughs> you had a good time out there this year. That's so good. That's good. It was it was it was a reasonably quick fifty miler for me. So. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's a fantastic race. It's a cool area. I know it's it a people's wheelhouse. I don't mean anything bad by it. It's just not my cup of tea personally. Yeah. If if you don't like vert, that's the race to do. Yeah. If you like just to be flat. If you like barren desert landscapes, which I happen to like. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. If you like races where you're you're running by yourself for hours on end, that's the place to go. And, and I like that kind of thing. I just remember when I paced you, and all that kept coming through my mind, and this is bad, so I hope it doesn't come <laughs> back to bite me someday. But I always thought this is the best place to hide a body. <laughs> there's nobody coming out here for any reason nope, at all. Nope, that's no, true <laughs> at all. And there's a vast. There's area. a large area yeah, to hide bodies huge out there. graveyard out there. That's all I remember. I just walk it at night going, huh, if I was that guy. <laughs> you just pitch him in a ditch and never find him. Yeah. I just, I don't even know, it kicked dirt on him either. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no one goes out there once a year for the race. That's it. Oh, that's oh. funny. <laughs> that's good, though. Um, I don't know. That's This trip, just watching your pictures, because one thing that was cool for me on a personal note was you took a bunch of Trail Manor stickers over there <laughs> and slapped them on the tea houses. And you, I before you left, I was I was sitting there talking to you. I think Karen was there, and I mentioned even putting one on a yak because I thought that'd be funny. And Done. You, you did it because I got a picture one day, and I'm like showing that off. I'm like he actually stuck a sticker on a yak on a yak's butt, on a yak's ass. So yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. And 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 you have the picture, and you can post it on the. Trail oh, I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, that was super cool. <laughs> I, uh, I wasn't quite sure how the yak would react. It didn't look like I've he never cared. been around yaks. Yeah, didn't look like he cared. No, no, they're because they they just run loose there, and we just walked past it. It was right outside our tea house, so I thought, okay, they look pretty <laughs> docile. So 
I threw my threw my pack in my room and grabbed a sticker and told my brother, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sticker this yak ass. I'm gonna go tag He's like, this. Really? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so I went up to it and I just kind of walked up to it and it just kind of looked at me and then ignored me. So I peeled it off and just kind of gently pushed it on its ass and it just kind of looked at me. It's like, are we friends now? <laughs> are you swiping right or left, buddy? And, and I on? didn't know whether it was going to turn around and charge me or kick me or whatever. And so I, I, and then I took the picture and I thought, okay, that's a perfectly good sticker I can put somewhere else. So I reached up slowly and peeled it off his butt. That's awesome. <laughs> that was super funny. Somewhere else. My daughter thought that was a riot when I showed her because she's like, what? And I'm like, right, right. So that was pretty good. Um, yeah, that's, that's so cool. And I think, um, I, I should, hey, contest. Yeah. So. For all of all of you listeners out there, if anybody goes to Nepal and treks the Annapurna Circuit in the next year or so, if you find one of those Trail Manor stickers, I want to see a picture of it with you in it, selfie. Selfie. I'll give you a free race entry. Wow. I'll give you fifty bucks cash. Okay, there you on go, top people. Of that. There you go. A race entry <laughs> and fifty bucks cash. That's pretty good. And you got to find, uh, you know, the stickers. I'm not going to tell you where they are. There's uh, like there's, there's quite there's a few a, of them. There's about half a dozen out yeah. there. And, uh, um, yeah, you've got to take a picture of the sticker with you in it sometime in the next year. And you get it 50 bucks. And Jim's races, he does, you know, we'll add that in there because I wanted to throw that plug in. Because um, coming up, the next race, we have the Antelope Island uh, 25K, mm-hmm. um, which is in uh, March. And then two weeks later is the 50K, the 50-mile, and the 100-mile. And then following that up in June is Logan Peak. Yep. And following that up in August is... Harriman. Harriman. So plenty of races to still sign up for. You have to come out to Antelope Island, though, in March, because that's just a fun time. Yeah. That's the the kickoff, really. That's the spring running party. And that's what they are, so... Plenty of time to register for those, but get on that. Those make great Christmas gifts. Yep, and you can, you do not have to uh, sign up for the race to buy the, the, you know, gift entry. Uh, you can just go onto the store on the registration page and buy it, and uh, just let me know the information when you do, and I'll get them set up. So that's that's like you buy it for. super good gift, and it's all like. 25K is, again, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. That was my first ever trail race of my life was the first year Buffalo Run 25K. Perfect distance, especially if you just are trying to get into trail running. And then you just go all the way up to yep. 100 mile. So uh, make sure you look for that for um, for Christmas and all the other races um, on the calendar. Logan Peak I've done multiple times. Such a great course. Hopefully you moved it this year for snow purposes, right? Yeah, I moved it a week later. Okay, because last year was the snow situation because yep. we're in Utah. And also I haven't run the race, but Harriman went up there. Um, such a cool area. Oh, it is. Um, I, Gorgeous. Yeah, such a cool area because I got the opportunity to run around that doing some scouting with you in the group uh, one time as well. So take a look at that. Um, but if you are doing stuff like the, the Annapurna, if you're doing cool stuff, um, let me know. Um, I'd love to chat with you. Uh, see what you got on your schedule for 2020. I'm super excited for 2020. This is, like I said, the last interview we will do for 2019. Um, you'll hear from Jim again. Well, I'm sure we'll have him on again, as even as a guest host, as we make the rounds through 2020. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. 
Um, absolutely. We'll post a few photos for you. Um, so make sure you take a look at that. He sent over a few that we can post um, to get an idea, not the full taste, but just an idea yeah. um, of what Jim experienced over in, in Nepal. If all I, all I can say is if you're thinking about doing that, do it. Uh, and do it in the next few years because it's going to change. Change in what way? Well, you're going to see that road finished. Okay. Uh, so that's going to bring more traffic, more people and such into the area. I'm not going to say whether it's going to change for better or worse. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it will improve people's lives that yeah. live there. But it will change. It will be different. And uh, uh, so so go. Don't, uh, don't put it off. And if you uh, have any questions, feel free to, to drop me a line and ask, and I'll be happy to share what I learned and what I would do differently, what I would do the same, and so on and so forth. Cool. So. Well, that's huge because I know that's the type of person I am. I like to know what other people's experiences are right? so I know what to expect. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you're not reinventing the wheel, so if someone's offering advice... Oh. Take them up on it. I'm always over that, yep, you know, yep. especially with the similar background of being a runner going into a trek because um, it's just a different approach, as you mentioned. Yes. It's that mindset. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I'm here to enjoy it. I'm not here to be first up the mountain. I'm here to do whatever. And also the packing part. What do I take? You know, I'm not taking gels. I'm not taking this. You know, this yeah. is, you know, real stuff. So take him up on that, folks. Um, again, thanks, Jim, for coming on the show. Absolutely. Um, I am... Off to Disneyland, so a little bit different uh, trek with uh, $100 Snicker bars, um, but uh, the same thing. But, again, everybody, I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the support once we're back here on the air. This was the last interview for 2019, but look for 2020. we got a lot of great guests on, some new fun stuff with the Trail Manners podcast. For Jim Skaggs, I'm Eric Manning. Thanks for listening, and have a great year. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. I'd like to thank Jim Skaggs again for closing us out for 2019. I also want to encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners or swing by our website, trailmanners.com. There you can hit us up on the contact page, let you know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on the show. And besides, I always love hearing from you. And if you wouldn't mind taking a minute to leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Facebook, I would greatly appreciate that. And lastly, Trail Manners would love your support via our Patreon account to keep us going at patreon.com backslash trail manners. Until next time, until 2020, this is Eric Manning reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it. Go get it.